Hello and uh, welcome to today's interview. We've got Adiri in the room with us and we're going to be working through a couple of questions which uh, is all about building surveying and how she came to be in the job she is today. So Adiri, welcome. Hi. The first question we've got for you is tell us how you became a building surveyor. So I started off, um, actually let me take it right back to the beginning. So I finished college and decided I didn't want to go to uni because I just it just wasn't for me at the time. And I also didn't know what I wanted to study. Um, I had thought about studying project management for construction, so it was always in the construction property field. But I decided I didn't want to do that. And then somebody introduced me to Charter Surveyors Training Trust. He was a quant he was a Charter's Quantity Surveyor. So I had a look at that and thought, okay, let me just start working rather than uni. So I applied for an apprenticeship. So I was 18, I applied for an apprenticeship with Rendon Rittner. I got that, I did two years property management. And then just as I was, they don't know, but I was going to leave because I just thought it's a bit, for me, it wasn't what I wanted to do entirely. Um, just before I was going to leave, they actually bought out Cardo Martin, a building surveying company, which I had initially wanted to do when I joined the Charter Surveys Training Trust, but they didn't have any going. So it was like perfect timing for me. So I interviewed there, moved over to that side. And then before I knew it, I was doing uni one day a week for three years. I was studying building surveying at degree level. Um, and that's how I got here. But I've always had, I've always been interested in construction and property. I think my dad was a, con a contractor. So I was always around that type of thing. But I've always loved the whole buildings, architecture. I just didn't know what part I was going to fit into. But here I am as a building surveyor. Excellent. That's good to hear. Thank you very much for that answer. So what we'll do is move on to question number two. What do you wish you'd known when you started out? And it sounds like there's quite a few things that um, probably would have been useful for you to have understood before you made that decision. Or maybe you could have made it earlier and got into it. So let us know. Um, I wish I had started, I wish I hadn't gone to college, funnily enough, and I wish I'd done my apprenticeship from the age of 16 rather than 18. Because I'd done my A-levels, I'd done like history, art or psychology and English, something like that. It's completely unrelated, but it's things that I actually enjoyed. And then when I started my apprenticeship, I had to do college again. So we had to do a B-tech in or diploma in like construction or building tech or something like that. And I just thought, well, I've wasted two years doing my A-levels. Now I'm back here again doing the B-tech. So I wish I had known about it sooner. And I think at the time I started, not a lot of people knew about apprenticeships. So I was the only one out of my friends that didn't go off to uni. So everyone left London, it was just me. So I wish it was more popular at the time and I wish I had known about it and I wouldn't have wasted my time going to college to do A-levels. So I would be two years younger than I am now, but that's fine. Um, the way I've done it is great and it worked out for me. I was also have wanted to know um, just the difficulty in dealing with different personalities and different characters within the industry of construction in general and like the, sometimes you meet people that don't take quite well to you you as a female so like your gender your race doesn't really match what they're used to in the industry but I think as I've grown up and as I've learned and developed within the industry you realize that this is what you're facing and you deal with it but I wish I had someone that would have told me sooner that yes yeah, a great industry to get into and there's no reason why you can't but it's male dominated and you will find, you will face challenges within the industry, but it's nothing that you can't overcome. So those are good pointers that would have helped me to begin with. So thinking more on that then, 
would you in the future be wanting to move into that would you like from a mentoring perspective a role model perspective and if you were sitting in front of a room of 13 14 15 year olds what do you think you would say to them as a piece of advice maybe one or two pieces of advice that could uh, give them the the start or the quicker start that perhaps you didn't get I have thought about that recently, going into the mentoring or speaking to other children, younger children or teenagers or early, like 19, 20, 21, even that age, I have thought about um, how I could be of assistance or be of help to the community that I'm in. Um, I would tell them, don't rush anything. So I'm happy I didn't go to uni and also don't follow trends. If I'd followed trends, I would have gone to uni with the rest of my friends and I would have paid it was 9k that year so when I was going it was nine thousand pounds per term and now the way I done it is that work sponsored me to go to uni so I have no debt so I say don't rush and don't follow what everyone else is doing but even if you're going to start late so I started uni the time that my friends are finishing uni it doesn't matter I got to where I want to be with my route um so I tell them don't follow what everyone else is doing don't rush to find out what you want to do because I didn't know what I wanted to do at 16, 17 or 18. And now that I'm in the industry I'm in, I do like it, but there's still you still question whether this is what you really want to do, this is your passion, this is your purpose. So don't rush to find out what you want to do. That time, time's not, like, time is moving, it's fine. You're not old, you don't need to have everything figured out by the time you're 21 or 18. Take your time and realise that any industry that there is that there is out there, you can get into those industries you can get your foot in and you can do whatever you want it to do. Lovely, thank you very much. I'm sure everyone would appreciate that answer. So moving on to question three. Of all your skills, which has helped you the most and what has been honed and developed the most? So the question, I guess, is asking, what's the, um, what's the one that uh, is really you didn't have at the beginning and you've got now? And which one do you think was really useful that you already had instinctively as part of your character I think one of the skills that I have is that I'm not I'm not like a shy person I'm quite quiet to begin with but I'm not shy or nervous and I think coming into an industry where you may be the youngest you may be the minority I was able to just deal with it as it comes um I think that's helped me a lot and that you're faced with different people all the time and when they say like no two days are the same no two days are the same for real so you never know who you're coming across you might go to a client meeting and you don't know who's going to be in that meeting but if you're able to carry yourself well and confidently then that will help you as well so I think that's helped me which is part of my I think it's part of my general character not to be too stressed or nervous or just kind of go with the flow of things um and I think what I've developed most is the ability to just speak as well. So go into meetings where you may not be as prepared as you want to be, um, or being in staff meetings where I might have been shy to speak up to begin with, but knowing that actually you do have to speak up, you do have to openly voice your opinions and stuff like that in order for your team to grow. I think that's a skill that I've developed as I've grown. And I think that comes with just growing up in general. And I think that's helped me a lot as well. Thank you very much. Okay, so um, if you're happy to continue what we do, we'll move on to question four. What advice would you give to someone wanting to enter building surveying? I know we've touched on that briefly, but maybe more specifically about not necessarily younger people, but 
someone of any age, of um, any background? Um, so we want to enter building surveying. I would say to look at all the aspects of surveying. So rather than just building surveying, have a look at quantity surveying, have a look at general um, practitioner surveying and see what suits you best. I think for building surveying, um, remember that it is it is a technical aspect, it is a technical side. Um, it's not just sitting in the office. Not that the others are, I'm not saying that. But I mean, you do you do get out and about a lot. So you travel a lot, you see different buildings, you deal with different defects and different um, problems within, building, within buildings daily. So remember that it is technical. Um, and to have the, be, I think you wanna get into it, be also willing to learn as you go. So whether you're five years in or 10 or 20 years in, you're always learning. So you have to be willing to know that things are gonna change you're going to learn new stuff. You're going to come across things that you've never seen before in buildings that you'll deal with. Um, you have to be willing to keep up with the changes in the industry. So it's not just your job, but it's the industry as a whole. And you have to be aware of things such as the impact of Grenfell Tower or legislations that will be changing. So you have to be open and willing to learn throughout your whole career. Um, but it's a great industry. And if you want to get into it, you can get into it. And for number five, what resources have really helped you on your journey so far? So what helps me so far from the very beginning up until now is the, the backing of a team, having a really supportive team behind you matters in every single job. Even when I think about when I was at college and I was um, doing retail, I had a great team that I'm still friends with now. So even when I was at Rendon Rittner, I had a great team that I'm still, I still keep in contact with. And the same with Carlo Martin, having a team that I can openly ask them questions, even if they sound silly or they think I should know it or something. I've always got that support. Um, the boss that I had in Croydon was great as well. I was able to ask him anything that I wanted at any time. And he was able to, um, without sounding like annoyed or condescending, and I ask a lot of questions, <laughs> without sounding like that, he would always give me the help that I needed. And sitting through my APC, I wouldn't have been able to do it without the team that I had that was constantly helping me, constantly asking me. So I was like accountable to them. So I would say I'm going to do something and they would check up to see whether I'd done it or how are you getting on with your competencies and having that person there. That's not, it's my, my bosses were great, but they weren't shouting. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, have you done this or have you done that? It was just a, a caring question like, oh, how are you getting on? Do you need any assistance? So I think having a team behind me has been so, so helpful. Yeah, it's, it's just helpful in general. Thank you very much. Number six. Uh, so many people believe that the APC is challenging to the point that it's, it's pretty much almost too much to handle as well as doing your day job. Why do you think people believe that? Because it's true. <laughs> they believe that because it is so hard to do your APC and to work full time. But just because it's challenging doesn't mean that it's impossible. You can do it there's no way you can't you can do it it's just deciding that something is a priority and committing to it and putting your mind to it and if you put your mind to it you can do it but it's not it's not an easy thing it's what two years you you're trying to do your competencies you're trying to revise you're trying to learn new things at the same time you're trying to hit target at work and at the same time you're trying to do reports and deadlines so it is just managing your time well and having to sacrifice so you do have to do early mornings and late nights and I was in 
the office a few Saturdays out of that time as well. You do give up a lot to get it done, but when it happens, it is like the biggest relief ever. And you know you work so hard for it. So it's so it's like the biggest achievement of your career to do that. And I would say to everyone, you should do it. It is challenging. It's not going to be easy, but just get it done. Just put your mind to it and commit to it and you'll do it. Excellent. That's some good advice there. So moving on to number seven, what do you think is the common reason younger people don't automatically think building surveying is a career for them? Well, I had never heard of building surveying until my brother's friend had told me about it. And if he hadn't told me about it, I probably would never know. So I don't think it's out there as much. I'd never heard that in school, ever heard. I didn't, I don't think I heard construction much in school. Um, so I think young people are unaware of the career that is here and just surveying in general. I didn't know what a surveyor was really. You just, you know architects, you know builders, but you don't know surveyors. And uh, they're vital to the to a project of a building coming together or the buildings in and around London. Um, so I think that's one of the main reasons. And another reason is it doesn't appeal. It wouldn't appeal to young people. They wouldn't see it as, oh, that's really fun. I really want to do that. Um, because it doesn't, doesn't seem to be as creative as other sectors are. Um, but it's not a boring job at all. And it can be very creative, especially when you're dealing with new builds or you're dealing with older buildings and you're having to put together drawings and, and you're changing buildings or you're designing the internals to buildings. It can be creative, but I don't think it appeals to younger people that way because it's not put out there that much. It's just shown as a... Well, they don't even hear about it to begin with at all. So I think going forward, um, that should be part of your careers day at school. They should tell you about that side of things to both... Um, to the boys and the girls, everyone should hear about it. But I think that's one of the main reasons um, that it doesn't appeal to young people because they're just not aware of it. Lovely, that's a good answer again, thank you. Now we're moving on to number eight. What's a um, common myth within building surveying um, and what would you say about debunking it? So again, a common myth is that it's a career for older males, that it's a male-dominant industry, um, which it is. But that change only happens when few people start to enter into that industry. So if you allow the common myth to remain the common myth, then the industry will never change. Um, but if you decide that you're going to go in there, it's going to open up the doors to other people coming in. So where it does seem to be a male-dominant um, industry, coming in as a female, sometimes could be in your favour, that you're probably one of the only ones there and then you can bring your opinions to the table. Um, and then that, that also empowers other people to decide, oh, hold on, well, she's doing it. It's a, she seems happy, it's a good career, she's got it going on. Maybe I can do it as well. And it's not everyone that needs that empowerment, but some people really do believe that they can't get into industries based on who they are, what they look like. And that's not the case because the industry is open to all. So this barrier that is there isn't really a barrier. It's just an invisible myth because it wouldn't be, it won't exist if people just decide that they're going to go for it. Whether it's harder or not, it's an industry that's open to all. And once you get in there, other people will get in there and then diversity will come about. So I think that's, uh, that's one of the common myths that is true but untrue and can be changed. And um, to talk about debunking it is just to to do what I can do, which is stay in the industry, progress in the industry, and try to do my best in the industry 
and empower or mentor other people to join in. Yeah, lovely. Thank you very much. And um, a final question for this afternoon is number nine. Have you considered your next professional step since becoming chartered? And how do you see yourself getting there? Not really, not yet entirely, because um, when did I get chartered? Last week, Thursday, I got chartered. So apart from sleeping and resting, um, I haven't taken, I haven't sat down properly and assessed what I want to do next. But I know even from before I got into building surveying, I've always wanted to work abroad, always wanted to work abroad. And now that I am chartered, I know that I can take that and decide to work in any other country. So I definitely see myself at some point traveling um to work in a different environment um yeah that's that's just one of the main things but apart from that i haven't had that much thought about it thinking more about the locations then um was there anything that you've kind of aspired to was it kind of new zealand earthquakes and um or was it other parts of the world where you kind of looked and said i can really add value there i think to begin with honestly anywhere that's just hot all the time (laughs) Um, because surveying in London when it's cold and winter is is not the best thing. I remember being in the snow with um, with Nick, a building, doing a um, building reinstatement cost assessment, and I was so cold. And he's very thorough, and he just wouldn't get off site. And I was there like, oh my goodness, I need to go. But um, working somewhere that's hot would be my preference. Um, I'd love to work in Nigeria. That's where I'm from. That's where my family are. I think that would be great. I think adding to the the construction, the infrastructure there has always been a dream of mine. So I would love to work in Nigeria. Um, but even I've even thought about working in like Paris, somewhere I can come home on the weekend, so I'm not too far away from home. I'm I'm open. I love travelling, so I'm happy to go. I don't know about New Zealand or Australia. That is so far, but I would be open to all countries. Well, that's the end of the questions for today. I think um, we all agree that it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you very much for your contribution and your answers, and um, congratulations again for getting chartered. Thank you. It's a great achievement. Thanks. And signing off.